My guest today is Fadijit Singh Kosher. Fadijit is a faculty member at Conestoga that I've worked with for a number of years now, and I first met Fadijit uh, a few years ago when I was giving an orientation uh, in Brantford, and uh, he attended. I thought he was a mature student at the back of the classroom, and after he introduced himself as just wanting to, to get to know the program a little bit better. Um, one of the things I've noticed about Fadijit is his attention to detail, his high attention to detail. Uh, I can pretty much show him any document that I've created and he will uh, inevitably find some uh, spelling or punctuation error, I'm, I'm afraid to say. Uh, so he's got a keen eye for detail, uh, which is really important for project management, um, quality management, and our topic today, which is change control. So. Fadijit will be talking about his experience in, in change control and uh, share with you some of his experience. So please welcome Fadijit Singh Kosher. Turn it over and, and I guess the, the first um, uh, question I have is just, uh, you know, just provide us a little bit of background. What did you do before you uh, came here to Conestoga? So uh, over to you. All right. So uh, two things before I, you know, answer your question. One is uh, thanks, Dave, for uh, making me your first guest in these uh, new series. And I would also like to thank any viewers who are going to watch these videos. So, okay, now uh, uh, to your question. Uh, before coming to Conestoga, uh, my industry experience is uh, 20 years, out of which 15 years I've worked in projects. So I'm going to talk about uh, the experience in project management. So it started in 2002, from 2002 to 2006, I worked for an organization uh, which had a huge factory and they were making heavy engineering equipment. So that is when I started working as the project manager. So I, you know, obviously used to interact with the client. We had to order all the raw materials and, you know, do all the interaction with other stakeholders. So that was for the four years. And then in 2006, I made a move to another organization where I actually entered into the new domain of uh, EPC project management, engineering procurement construction. So this organization, uh, they are global leaders in uh, delivering steel plants. And uh, this was like full-blown project management uh, with engineering and then procurement construction. Typically these projects would last from any, anywhere between, you know, uh, uh, between two years to three or even four years, right? So this was for four years. And then in 2010, I made uh, like my last move uh, to another organization, uh, which was like a French headquartered organization. Again, EPC sector, but the, the kind of technology was different. This company uh, is renowned uh, in uh, delivering ASUs, which we call air separation units or in layman's language, we can call them oxygen plants. In, uh, and, and the clients are like different um, steel, uh, 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 industries, uh, you know, uh, petrochemical plants where they need oxygen in bulk. So those were the kind of industries. And I got a lot of exposure to uh, change management, which I mean, because we always handled these projects on uh, in, in uh, with the waterfall or the tr traditional approach. Uh, and usually these were firm fixed price contracts. Uh, as contractors, we had to, to commit to a fixed price. And then invariably during the next three or four years during the execution of the project, a lot of changes uh, happened for good reasons and uh, there was a lot of change management and change control which was part of my work 
right right so so yeah that's our main topic for today and um why did uh, when when we were talking about setting up this this first podcast this was a topic that you specifically wanted to talk about uh why is it that you wanted to of all the topics that that were on my list you picked this one what is it about change uh, control that that uh that why did you want to talk about that today why I, I guess what i'm saying is why do you see that as being important one thing is you know i can contribute uh, with some practical advice because i was deeply involved in change control that is one i also considered this as very very important part of epc projects uh not only you have to you know i mean sometimes there is a conflict of interest your own management would want you to deliver everything at a very minimal price to make the maximum profits whereas the client organization they are expecting you know top of the world quality and uh, so it's very challenging you have to uh, engage with your management the client's management and you are the main uh, window between these two organizations so i mean it's it's a big challenge it's a very uh, challenging and also like highly paying I mean, it's very important work you know especially for your organization because the clients a lot of times they, they would uh, like to pass on uh, important changes as normal development efforts i mean they would not like you to pay for it so we need to be very meticulous with all the documentation in fact it starts with uh, the, uh, you know even before the award you know when you have are negotiating the contract terms and conditions so basically i found it very very interesting it's very interesting for me very very important as well and then it's quite challenging so these are some of the reasons right. uh, behind this so what do you see, what do you see as the key steps of change control like not not necessarily all the all the nitty gritties but what can you break it down into you know what are the main the main steps that you see when you when you uh, execute a change control yeah okay uh, first of all i would say even before entering into any new contract uh, talking of your like the pimbok calls it opas organizational process assets in the contractors organization we need to have a very robust change control system backed up with some good software okay so that that's one and um, another very important thing is you know at the time of uh, entering into the signed contract with the client uh, we need to make sure that there are uh, relevant empowering clauses in the contract which are going to entitle you to seek uh, proper compensation for any changes which the client is going to ask you to make okay so uh, the, the definition of the change how the change is going to be recognized how the change uh, is to be notified how the change impact is to be proposed and then finally how the change order is going to be signed be between both the parties so that provisions in the contract are very important next thing is you know as soon as uh, now uh, we kick off the new project the contract is in place the provisions are in place next very important thing is the internal kick off meeting within our team uh in the contractors organization where you know as the contracts manager we need to give uh sensitize the team members on the different change clauses because a lot of times there is a time period uh, within which unless we uh, uh raise a, a notice of change we, we we forego any 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 benefits coming out of a change so we need to sensitize the team that you know we have to strictly follow the boundaries of the scope and if there are any ambiguities it's it's best to you know resolve them as soon as possible any assumptions so it's it's best to validate them as soon as possible and then uh, the scope statement is going to be so important so i mean the communication of the importance of these documents to the team because everyone has to contribute because these are such large projects 
changes can arrive at any, any, any given area because the PM cannot monitor all the things. So the team members have to be sensitized as soon as the client is exceeding the agreed baselines or the boundaries, the team member has to sensitize this is a change and they need to, and they need to know how to use the software system. They need to log those changes. So they need to uh, communication and they need to be aware how to use the software to bring these changes to the notice of the project manager. Okay. So these are some of the important steps. So why do you, I I'm, want to pick up on that, you're needing to sensitize the team. So why, is that because you, was that because the team members would not understand what a change is? Or do you think they, they would resist um, the change control process? So what, what, what do you mean by sensitizing the team? That's, a, that's sort of an interesting concept. Okay, so they, they won't resist the change management process, but they might not be aware of it. Like okay. we have heard the terms like gold plating. It's not only theoretical, it happens in reality. Sometimes we are trying to appease the client. Sometimes we feel, oh, this is something so minor that even if I do it, if I am the engineer of a particular work package, I think this is very minor, okay? The client is asking me to just make a small tweak and then, but the, the point is these small, small changes eventually add up to something big. So this right. is where they need to be sensitized, even if it's very, very small thing, like the 100% rule. I used to tell my team, 100% means not even an extra nut or a bolt we have to give to the client. Nothing right. less, nothing more. So they need to be sensitized on this. Okay, so you would you would have team members that, you know, that it's not that they were trying to to sneak something through, but they would just perhaps not understand, or they, like you say, there might be a, a small change that a customer comes and says, well, can you not just do this? And so they might not understand that they should they should log that as a change and to put it exactly. through change control. Yeah, because there are going to be some very explicit changes there. We don't have any problems. It's a big change. The client can never disguise it under a normal development practice. So those changes would come out in the open and you know we'll negotiate and unless we agree for the compensation to the time and the cost, we are not going to implement those changes. So there we are good. But these right. small, small comments which can come through the engineering drawings and you know the PM is not going to uh, get to know about them unless the team members reach out to the PM through the software system. Right. And everyone is empowered to log as soon as they notice a variation, they are, they are going to log into the, into the central uh, system and it's it's also linked with automatic emails and you know so once they log it into the system then the change log is going to be maintained very transparently and things are not going to be missed out right can you think back in your experience of a time when you feel that change control really contributed to the success of the of the project like was there a case where you kind of went thank goodness we had that change control system oh uh, no specifically i won't remember but uh I, I forgot the numbers, but in my resume itself, I'm I'm highlighting three or four big, very high uh, value change orders, like close to 10% of the initial uh, contract value. We were able to, you know, manage. So mostly, you know, mostly the most difficult part of uh, a change is to uh, get uh, compensation for for the cost from the client. Sometimes they are more willing to uh, uh, compensate you for the time, but normally it's more difficult. So I don't remember the specific numbers, but on several occasions, like there, there have been five to six really big change orders, uh, you know, um, what we were able to deliver uh, through all this change management. System. Right. So those are changes that were captured and 
compensated for your organization. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Good. Okay. What about, um, can you think of any times where you should have, there should have been some change control and wasn't that led to problems? Is there any, any instances of that, that you can, that you can point to where you, you know, oops, we should have, we should have been tighter. Yeah. Again, the instances where, um, you know, we, we are not insisting in enforcing the contract clauses. There needs to be a very clear con a clause in the contract, which states that, Although the client has every right to ask for a change, they can order for a change, but unless uh, the Im impacts on time and cost are mutually agreed, the contractor is not supposed to start working on the change. Now, sometimes the team members would ignore this out of ignorance or pressures or, you know, sometimes uh, there is a term called going native. I mean, they work so closely with the client that at times, you know, uh, they start thinking about, uh, oh, yeah, it is needed. I mean, they are so excited to you know, entertain the client, uh, sometimes it might hurt the interests of the contractor's own organization. So, I mean, uh, two things, you know, uh, first we have to be meticulous in having all these clauses in the contract, which usually are there in every good organization. We have legal people uh, on the payroll, then we have these standard, uh, we call them boilerplate clauses. And in my organization, we had certain golden and silver rules. So we could never miss out on these contract clauses. So contracts were usually always fine, but then the thing was, some new members are going to uh, come join your team. So to sensitize them, communication is very, very important. So as long as your team members are sensitized, then the software is in place, the contact clauses are in place. Now it's only the question of, you know, making use of them and enforcing those clauses. Right. It, that's an interesting point that you mentioned. And again, it's the it's sort of the two things. One is that you, your focus is on, and this is, I think, in your background is on contracts, which is, which is where change uh, control becomes even more important in a, in a, in a procurement sort of environment where there's a contract governing the, 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 the project. Um, but the other part was the human element that you mentioned is that, and this often happens on projects, is that as project team members work more closely with customers, they'll start to identify with them, um, you know, um, sympathize with them and and they they might start to do i think what you were you were saying which was you know you really do need this and well how much can it be you know it's just a small change i'll just do this one you know don't you know don't tell anyone that that is a that that is a a, a possibility and so you know um this is this is the kind of thing where you know, again, as you were saying, through sensitizing the team, a good, strong change control system where we can say that team member can still care about and identify with the client, but still represent their organization as well. Like that, exactly. You can always, you know, change could also be suggested by the team member, but as soon as they suggest a good change to the client, immediately they also need to log in this new change or division in the centralized system so that, you know, uh, we don't want to do any work for, for free. I mean, it's as right. simple as that. Right. Um, the, the, these systems, so, you know, in terms for the viewers, so, so one thing that, that to make sure everyone is now aware is that there are systems uh, to, to track this. Were these um, sort of proprietary systems of your organization or were these external software tools that, that were, uh, recall that? All right. So, Whatever I know about them, okay, uh, uh, I handled two systems. The first one was called PIRS, uh, Project Information and Reporting System. 
The next one was Comquet, which was fairly new. We got them custom made from external software organizations. Okay, so the right. Comquet stood for commercial and quality. It has two big modules. Under commercial, it had this change control module, and under quality, it had this uh, lessons learned module for continuous improvement. So right. okay, we are focused on the change control module, and these are now these days all you know web based tools, and they are linked with your emails, and there is a whole workflow into them. So all the team members are empowered uh, to log in any new change. The system will automatically give it an ID number, and then it's going to go to the PMs, and uh, there are other gates in the system. It's, it's go going to go to the contracts manager, and if he or she decides uh, this uh, is going to have some significant schedule impact, then she can uh, just, and there are a lot of drop-down menus. It's very user-friendly. So you he or she can always, you know, uh, pick and uh, send, uh, initiate a workflow going to the schedule manager to work out the schedule impact. Likewise, uh, the contracts manager, and uh, we used to call it the commercial project manager, would, can also create a parallel workflow going to the cost uh, manager to work out the cost impacts. Uh, so, and everyone uh, keeps getting alerts, and uh, you can also log in the uh, uh, the notice, uh, the change notice period from the contract, so that those important dates are not missed out. Right. And, right. Uh, and, and and another very important feature of uh, the, these software is they, so once you do all the working on them, and you can keep on saving in the draft mode, while you are still and, and not everything will happen online. You know, a lot of offline discussions will happen because this integrated change control in typical engineering contexts, you have to get inputs from different even even within engineering there are seven to eight different departments, civil, electrical, instrumentation, static, rotating equipment, so piping engineering, okay, civil. So you need to get inputs from all of them. So you can keep on collecting the information, still keeping them as draft. Once everything is uh, complete, and I'm talking from, from the contractor's point of view, and then you are going to hold some internal discussions with your management, and once they're satisfied, now the beauty of these softwares also is, basically you need three documents, like the three formal documents, which you have to formally send to the client. The first one is the change notice, which you have to send within certain timelines, okay, yeah. which is kind of a brief thing. And then the next, the big thing is the change proposal, which you will send out of doing all the impact assessment, getting internal approvals from the sponsors and sending the detailed change proposal. Again, the top uh, pages could be like a couple of sheets. These are like, like the system was integrated with Microsoft Word. So it will automatically generate these, uh, you know, uh, like the change notice, which you will just take a printout, sign it, send to the client. Next change proposal, a couple of pages, but then of course you are going to uh, append a lot of details, backup details. You need to justify for all the extra dollars or time that we are, you know, uh, uh, seeking from the client. Because most of the times, you know, I mean, most of these projects are not only time constrained, they are also cost constrained. The right. client is not having any surplus time or money. so. A lot of backup documents. So change proposal is, is the heart of the whole thing, right? right? With change notice, the important thing is we don't miss out on the timelines. Otherwise, we lose our rights to claim uh, compensation. And then the change right. proposal is the heart of it. And uh, we, we need to append as much as is needed. And the final output is the change order. You know, once the commercial, yeah. and then the negotiations will happen. After the change proposal, you're going to, that is offline. You are going to negotiate with the client. The representatives from the client and the contactor side and then once they agree on on, on uh, the compensation for the cost and the time then you are uh, the system will again generate a change order so these are the three steps change notice yeah. proposal and change order and the change order has to be formally signed by both the parties 
Right. Once it is okay. signed, it, it, it acts like an amendment to the contract. And right. now we are good to go. Now we are good yep. to start working on that change. Yes. Well, you can certainly see the the uh, the, the, uh, the the robustness and the the um, uh, uh, size and effort that is that has taken place in the uh, understanding PM textbook. There is a you know a, a very high level view of the process, which you've really outlined here, but you can see the amount of systems development and communication and so on, and how important it is to the organization. I guess in closing, um, is there one sort of key lesson or message that you'd like to leave with, with the, the, the viewers? Uh, you know, sort of as a, if there's one thing you could tell, you know, new PMs, embarking about uh, change control, uh, what would it be? And then we'll, then we'll wrap up after that. Okay, so I would, I would just uh, ask all the viewers to be very clear on the difference between a good change control or a scope change vis-a-vis -vis, you know, gold plating or scope creep. When the team members are not sensitized, then we run the risk of you know, doing the gold plating or the scope creep. We need to understand and uh, you know, remain away from kind of a scope creep. We need to always welcome good changes, but never bypass the system. Learn the software if it's new to you, you know, initially be very clear on what's, what constitutes a change. Follow the procedures so that, you know, not only the client has to be kept happy, our own contractors' economic interests have to be kept in mind. Right, right. That's good. Well, thank you very much, Fadijit. Uh, it's uh, you, you've taken us on a you know an interesting uh, journey through change control, and uh, you know again, hopefully, as I was mentioning, uh, the, the viewers can can see just you know how significant this this topic is, and I think you've demonstrated that. So uh, so again, thank you very much uh, for your time, and uh, I'm uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you a great deal in the future. So so uh, take care, and we'll uh, talk to you again soon.